Welcome. It's amazing to have every one of you here. I, when it comes to the heart talk, I know we've done this a few times. Uh, really, we're, we're we're honing in on how we can prevent one of the biggest killers in America. And I don't know if we really know and can fathom the repercussions of us not understanding or knowing how it is to keep our heart healthy because it is the number one killer in America. Just for a reference point, one out of four people die of heart disease. Now, sometimes we talk about like men, one out of two men is going to have cancer at some point in their life. One out of three women is going to be diagnosed with cancer. And we're talking about diagnoses rather than this is straight up one out of four people die of heart disease. And I mean, raise your hand if you've experienced or if you know somebody who has had heart disease or has been, um, you know, had heart surgery, had a stroke, uh, had a heart attack. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where you go to the grocery store, you turn to your left and you see somebody and uh, you ask them, hey, do you know somebody with heart disease? And they're going to know somebody very close to them, if not be them themselves. And I had a chiropractor and, and seeing and, and taking x-rays on occasion. It's, we, I see lots of times where somebody will have a wired sternum. They'll, I'll say, Hey, have you had a heart surgery? And I say, Oh, yes. Or I'll see staples from bypasses. And it's really amazing to see the number of people that have these things. So it is a big problem here in America. And, uh, and it is a problem in the whole entire world, but especially here. And it, it so it hits very close to home. And as you're sitting here tonight, if you did not change a single thing, so if you came to this workshop, went home, and never implemented anything, why wouldn't it be you? Why would you not be that one in four? Look to your right. Look to your left. We see that it's either going to be them or you. I mean, 25% is a high statistic. And so our challenge today is what can we do to, to take some knowledge home, apply this into our lives, and stop being the statistic. And when we have our workshops like this, I want to be able to give you some specific tools to be able to, to prevent things. But it, it, I know I can't do it for you. I know I can't be the one that goes home and, and babysits uh, all you guys all the time and, and makes dinners for you and, and just, and, and make sure that you're going for your, your run or your exercise, your high intensity training to go to the classes, exercise classes every single day. I can't be that person that's going to hold your hand and guide you. So I love that you guys have brought guests here tonight because the person next to you, the, your loved one, or even a friend that you might meet here this evening to hold each other accountable is going to be the person that's going to wake you up extra early in the morning. And maybe half an hour early so you can do your exercises. Uh, remind you that you need to go to the grocery store. So when you get home, you're like, oh, what's all left in my, I guess I'll make a peanut. You get home from a busy day and all of a sudden, now all we have is a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in the house. Or it's something uh, really quickly because we haven't planned for it. And so thinking about that person that can hold you accountable that you're going to start to implement these things is very, very important. So I hope that the person that you brought with tonight is somebody that loves you a ton and they're willing to be that person for you. Now, whenever I uh, am doing these workshops and we're just preparing for these workshops, I started to try to ask myself the big questions and and challenge maybe some of the mainstream things that you hear on a regular basis because when it comes down to the 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 idea that the heart, America's number one disease killer is heart disease and that one out of four people die. We see the statistics that every 37 seconds somebody's dying of heart disease. 
as we're sitting here tonight, why, why couldn't it be us? And we have to challenge that mainstream thought and challenge what America is already doing. And, and if you don't change anything, you are still that average American. You will be that person that's going to be a one out of four death from heart disease. And seeing as many people with heart disease as I have in my life and in patience with it and, and people being medicated for it, it's, it's amazing that more, the number is not even lower than that or, or there's more prevalence of it than even that. But one out of four is, is a pretty dramatic reason for us to say, hey, we have to be better than average because we don't want to be that average American beyond 12 medications just like an average American is. So asking those big questions, challenge mainstream thought and saying, you know, well, how do I view my health? What do I need to do for my health to become better, to be less uh, mainstream, to be more natural? Because I think of this from what's called a chiropractic viewpoint. And, and I say it that way because that's really where I got most of my training of, of how our bodies work. And maybe I should just say it's God's principle. It's, it's, it's the way that he made us. And so if we think of the way that God made us, he made our bodies very adaptable. I mean, we wouldn't have survived or lived. Uh, I, I wouldn't have survived this last winter if my body wasn't adaptable because you go outside and it's cold out, you shiver. That's how we adapt to that cold environment. If you go outside and it's hot out, you sweat. That's how we adapt to that environment. And so our bodies can never be dumb and smart at the same time. So if you don't think that those things are smart that our body is doing whenever we go outside and, and it adapts in that way, uh, then maybe this isn't really the talk for you because that's how that's my personal beliefs that our bodies are smart. They do the smart thing no matter what. And the challenge is, is do we really trust our body to be smart or are we trying to outsmart our bodies? And, and so that's, that's kind of that first pivotal point that you want to write down is, am I trying to outsmart my body or do I believe my body is smart? And so when we go from that point forward, everything else after us starts to make sense of, of, you know, thinking of why does our, why has our body have had to adapt differently in the past years? Now, if you go all the way back to like the 1800s, obviously our bodies were under different stressors, right? You know, that big word stress that I always talk about in my workshops. In the 1800s, we were, we were growing our own food. We were heading our own cattle. We, we, we didn't go to town unless we absolutely needed to because it was like a day's travel away. And so it, it was just a different world that we had lived in. And we lived in back then. And you try to fast forward to the 1900, still is a little bit different. It's, it's a different world to be in. Uh, and things are starting to change. We start to enter in a bunch of world wars and, and now the world changes once again, different stressors and, and Americans are dying now because of like, like plagues and, and, uh, infections and, uh, dying in the war. And all of a sudden we get to the sixties and all of a sudden heart disease is the number one killer in America. What changed? Why are we dying of this chronic heart disease that is seemingly 100% preventable and instead it's the number one killer in America? Well, in the 60s, just, just to point out a few things, I mean, our diets changed. And some of that's just, all of it's due to the fact that society changed at that point. It was not cool for a woman to stay home at, and take care of the house anymore. 
It would just, when, especially when it got to the 80s and 90s, it wasn't something you did. You, you had to go to work. You had to make a living and earn your place in this world. And that challenged what we had done to this whole point, this whole time frame. And now there was nobody really at home taking care of the household. I'm not saying everyone has to stay home, but there's no one person at the house taking and, and making food and, and keeping things in order. So instead of both parents, mom and dad go to work, they earn a living, they pick up their kid from daycare or from grandma's house, they come home and it's like 6 7 o'clock, the bed's gotta, kid's gotta be bed by 7.30 and you have a half an hour to eat. What do you do? You go to the easiest possible thing. So this is just one of those mindset changes as we're sitting here, like, is that you? Once again, if you change nothing today, why won't it be you? Why won't it be you being the average American and having that heart disease as a killer? So if that's you, we need to change it. We need to either prepare or plan more or get to the point of where, where we just make adaptations in our life. Our stressors have changed. We, we are no longer just on, um, you know, just physically laboring, working individuals. We now have sedentary jobs that are high emotional stress or thought stress, and really we just are sedentary all day long. So now we are not moving, and we have higher levels of stress. And if we think of how our bodies respond to these things, diet stress, stress, emotional stress, physical stress throughout the day, our body has to adapt and change. So what does it do? It increases your blood pressure, increases your heart rate, increases hormone responses, increases cortisol. I mean, all those stress responses are meant to be short-lived, short duration, but instead we do it every single day, all day long. Can we be in a more stressful state than being in one all the, all the time? No, it's like being chased by a saber-toothed tiger all the time, and that's what our body has to adapt to, and it eventually it just wears itself out. Our toxic load has changed, and just like I talked about, you can throw a rock at any anywhere and hit a hospital because every town has one. If it bounces off the hospital, it'll bounce right into McDonald's because that that's what's next to them. And we just, we think this is stuff is okay. We have more cars on the road than ever before. We have more toxins, fumes in the, in, in our environment. There's more pesticides being used on uh, fruits and vegetables. The things that are supposed to be healthy now are poisonous to us. We have anything on the back of a label of a box. If you can't read it, don't put it in our body. We don't ever put things in our body that we can't read. There's a reason why we don't drink gasoline because we know it's bad for us. But yet we're okay eating foods that are, are processed with things that we know are, that we may or may not know or that are toxic to us, but they live in that same realm of, uh, it's not that good for me. In small quantity, quantities, maybe it doesn't kill us. Just like a little, little drop of gasoline every single day as you're drinking it. It's not going to kill you immediately, but it will over time. It's just going to keep destroying the body. So our toxic loads have changed. And then once again, another piece of society changing. In the last two years, we were under this huge stressor. We called it a pandemic. And what that does is it, it changes the way your brain works because it's under a stress mode all the time. Once again, we're not getting out of that stressful situation. And so it, they describe it as like if you were in an accident and the EMT is telling you information over and over again, they have to repeat themselves hundreds of times because you can only remember things for like 20, 30 seconds because you're under shock. And your brain can't remember things. It can't make new nerve endings, new neurons. It can't build new building blocks within itself because the stress response stops it. And so if we put ourselves in that situation during that pandemic, it's really hard for those people to take themselves out of it. 
And I understand where the fear came from. But if you're fearful of like being sick for the for like three years, what happens is you no longer have the ability to adapt and change to your environment or to change your thought process because that stressful state was there for so long and it's embedded itself. And now that's that's what your personality is. That's what your your brain knows. It's burned that pathway in there and it's hard to pull those people out. So if you know somebody that's in that state, be compassionate for them and pray for them, but also try to help pull them away from where they were and get them to the point of where they can take the stress response away because it will kill them eventually. Their heart can't adapt for that long uh, and not have some sort of problem going along with it. It may not be that that immediate stress from the pandemic that's going to kill them, but it's going to take their health slowly, trickle by trickle, and it's going to take it away from them. So we weren't under this stuff a long, long time ago. I mean, we didn't have the access to ha- to have the knowledge for a lot of these things or, or to be connected to the world as much as we are right now. The stress responses were just different back in the day. Now, what this is what our life is. This is what our bodies constantly have to adapt to. So if we're looking for uh, the cause of heart disease, it's really what is what is the pieces of the puzzle from all these stressors? What does our body have to do to adapt in the appropriate way? And And really, it's our brain. Me as a chiropractor, the nervous system is mega important to me because when you have your body systems adapting and changing to all the stressors I just talked about, every single one of those bits and pieces, your body has to adapt to it. And it's your brain that does that. It tells and coordinates everything. So when you have uh, the stress response, your brain has to change it. It has to increase your heart rate. It has to increase your blood pressure. It has to increase your hormones. And it's telling it to do that all the time via the spine, via the nervous system. And so when somebody comes in and they have a subluxation or a damage point in their spine that is causing more stress in their body, or causing a break in the connection of the body's ability to change to these stressors in the world, that's why we do adjustments. That's why I get to move pressure and take pressure off the nervous system. That's why I love what I do because people's whole lives change when you get to do that. And so the adjustments are, are, are essential for us to be able to, to combat these disease processes and pull people from, from where they're in a constant stress state and bring them back to this down to earth, down to the normal world where stress isn't the thing that's going to steal their health away from them. So finding the cause of heart disease is as simple as taking away the stressor. But how do we do that? And that's where we're going to start to just pinpoint a few of the things that maybe the the scapegoats that we give heart disease, meaning the things that are are blamed all the time for causing heart disease, start to depict a little bit more of getting more information about it so we can have the the right tools to navigate what it is for us to take and take away and and survive this heart disease pandemic this heart disease crisis that we're in right now so i have a little diagram on the upper left hand side i have uh, i drew a triangle which represents the liver and on the upper right hand corner i have a brain that uh, represents the brain. And then in the bottom of the paper, I have uh, just a stick figure of a, of a person. So these three things are kind of where the coordination happens. Now, if I am this little stick figure and I hurt my ankle, right? So I'm going to sprain my ankle and my brain knows that there's pain. So it perceives it. It says, Hey, there's something going on. Let's fix it. What's the cool thing that happened is your brain coordinates everything. It tells the immune system to go there and tells new blood flow to go there. It tells new building blocks to go there. And, it, and some of the building blocks that it makes is called cholesterol. And so if you have, and the, the, the different, uh, 
hormones that are needed for this whole process to take place. So you have your liver that starts to make cholesterol. It sends it to the body to be able to fix this, right? Our body's smart. It's that's what we've established. Our body is smart and is doing the right things. Now we give that those cholesterol pieces kind of the, the bad rap because this is called LDL cholesterol. It's cholesterol that's living, leaving the liver and going to the body to do something to, to provide a function, but it's leaving the liver and it's floating around the bloodstream until it gets to the ankle. And so this LDL cholesterol has now been seen as kind of the bad guy, but it's serving a purpose. Can we agree that it's serving a purpose? Absolutely. Now, once that ankle is healed, we have uh, our body kind of repackages these cholesterol pieces and starts to send them back to the liver because it's done. It's it's cleaning up the work site. And now these are called the HDL cholesterols. And the cool part about these is these are called the good cholesterols. Well, we established that our body's smart, so really there isn't good and bad cholesterol. It's cholesterol that's used for this purpose and cholesterol that's used for this purpose. So now this cholesterol is being packaged back up and going back to the liver. It's going to be recycled and reused in some other fashion. It's kind of waiting for you to get hurt again or or have another stress response that has to make a hormone or you know to do the, its individual functions. And so our our idea of this cholesterol maybe needs to change a little bit because both of these have great purpose to me, and I would want both of them to work properly. But when we take um, like statin drugs, what happens is it, it changes the way that our body can do this, and sh- and and medications will always be a stopper, right? I'm not going to sit here and just bash on medications, but the purpose of medications is to stop something. It's to stop pain. It's to stop cholesterol. It's to stop nerve function. It's just, it's, it's to stop, uh, acid in your stomach. It's, I mean, there's, there's every single purpose of a medication is to stop something that your body does. Even anxiety medications or depression medications. It's stopping the ability of your body to reuptake, uh, serotonin. And so these are, that's the function of it. And now that we know that our bodies are smart, why would we want to stop? some of the functions of it? Why would we want to stop that process? Why would we want to take an Advil and stop the healing process, the the cholesterol production, the, the inflammatory response? Why would we want to stop that stuff? Really, we should try to amp it, amp it up, make, make, a, make a, a big hulk, a hulkinator, uh, the superhero out of our immune system, make it as strong as we possibly can rather than, than knock it down. And so this is just one of those paradigm shifts of what is the purpose of this medication and is this something that I should be taking the rest of my life? Because I know that I would want to heal my ankle if it got hurt. And so the, the LDL is considered the bad. That's when the, the cholesterol leaves the liver and then the HDL is when it goes back. One of the cool parts about the HDL cholesterol is uh, they say, what is the fastest way to, to increase it? It's to exercise and to eat well. You increase your HDL cholesterols. Now that makes sense because your body is, it's not just from when you get hurt that HDLs go back to the liver, but it, what it does is like when we have proper materials, less inflammation, you don't need as many building materials. So more of that cholesterol can get recycled and go back to the liver. Uh, but the more inflammation you have, the more injury you have in your body, the more LDL is going to be coming from the liver to the body. And so our challenge is we want to really just limit inflammation. So if you believe that heart disease is caused by increased LDL or increased bad cholesterol, don't try to lower the LDL cholesterol via medication, decrease inflammation. That's how you're going to do it. And so now that we understand the function or the purpose of these cholesterol pieces, this is how we can change our story of heart disease. And I, I don't know, it's, it's, it's one of those, those things that you just have to 
that have to understand when cholesterol, its uses is, is unfathomable. You use it for healing, you use it for building your brain. And if I take a, something to stop the cholesterol from being made, my brain can't grow, it can't build, it can't even be neutrified. And it makes hormones. And I want hormones in my body. I want to make testosterone. I want to be able to, to make thyroid hormone. And you can't do that when you're on certain medications. Even vitamins like CoQ10, so important for heart health. You can't make it if you're on a statin drug. So you should be supplementing it if you are on a drug such as a statin drug. And uh, vitamin D, we talk about it all the time, but it's actually a hormone made out of cholesterol. If you're stopping cholesterol, you can't make vitamin D. And we know the importance of that. So if you're on cholesterol medication, you should be supplementing vitamin D. And we go down the list of, you know, if we, t- if we take this stuff, we have to supplement in from the back end so much more to get to the point of where we should have been in the first place. And so that is just my quick breakdown of, of how our body functions and, and these myths of, of that cholesterol is the killer. It's the bad thing. It's really not. It's our protection mechanism. Now, what are things cause inflammation that to have to increase your liver to make more LDLs? I mean, we know that high sugar foods are pro-inflammatory. Acidic foods are pro-inflammatory. Coffee is pro-inflammatory. We know that dairy is pro-inflammatory, that, that gluten and other toxins and that are even attached to gluten protein are, can be pro-inflammatory to certain individuals. Uh, eating any sort of packaged processed food is pro-inflammatory. So if you take that whole list of foods, you, if you are consuming them, you're going to have high LDL. We know that. So diet and exercise comes down to eating healthy and getting good movement and not having inflammation. And one of the coolest things about food is that anything that grows that God gave us, that he made for us, fruits and vegetables, those are the best ways to decrease inflammation. He gave us tools. He gave us the ability to be able to combat the inflammation. We just don't choose to ever eat those things. And and no, the, the lettuce on the Big Mac does not count as a vegetable for you guys. It's not a serving of vegetables. Uh, so this is this is our challenge for ourselves: is are we being are is the food feeding the disease or is the food uh, curing the disease? Right? Is it building disease or is it building health? And the challenge is 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 what is that going to do long term for me? And then we have, I, I, this is where I was talking about. So I'm a chiropractor, so I see a lot of people with like muscle pain. So why would a person come to me with muscle pain and they're on a cholesterol medication? Because they have like tight upper shoulders, right? They have, their legs are cramping and tight. Their calves, their back is tired and sore. Their muscles don't work properly. They've been on a cholesterol medication for over 10, 15 years. And what hasn't happened in 10, 15 years? They haven't healed, right? They haven't really, their body hasn't been able to heal the stuff that is, um, that's, that's going on. So this is our challenge, right? This is our challenge because heart health is bigger than just talking about your heart. It's talking about how do we make our body heal better just in general. And the heart takes the blame for having too much cholesterol. It takes the blame for uh, not being strong enough for, for, um, you know, just being the, the, the end result of something that's even further up the chain. And thinking about what are the things that cause the body to have those irritations? Well, I already said them, right? Poor diet. How, how has that changed since the sixties? You can throw a rocket and hit a hospital and it bounces off and hits a fast food place. It hits McDonald's, right? And it's, it's smart because when the cafeteria closes in the hospital and you're caring for your loved one and you're hungry 
And where else are you going to get food? You go to the nearest place, which is right next door, which is typically a fast food place. Or a gas station. station, Right? And so our challenge and our, our challenge in life is and convenience is important, but also us being critical thinkers of is this going to be helping my body? See, taking that next step is never really taken. And and when you're in a stressful state, what do you do? You go to the easiest path, the path of least resistance. And so when you're caring for your loved one that just had a heart attack and you have to eat, you go to the fast food place, you're just promoting more of that in you also, right? And so that is um, the 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 what do they say, the, the, the fulfilling prophecy or the, uh, um, I can't think of what it's called now, but, uh, but that's our challenge is, is diet, our diets have changed since the 60s. This, our stressors have changed. So now we have where we're moving less. We're being less physically active. We're, we're sitting differently. We're sitting too long. We're, we're weekend warriors, where as opposed to people where we're hard laborers and they would do something on the, on the weekend. Um, we're, we're choosing to, uh, be sedentary and then go to a gym, right? So, and I get it. That's a positive thing in general, but it also is a, a lifestyle change. Different. Because how many of us choose to sit for a living and don't go to a gym? Then too. Because it's, it's another step. It's a, it's a path of big barrier when, when your job was your, your physical activity. The toxic load has changed. There are more toxins. We talked about our toxic workshop. There are way more toxins than there were back then. I mean, we have, we have more cars on the road. We have uh, fuel that's getting burned like crazy. And the challenge is more than just that. But just think of all the things that are put in our body now compared to before. Our toxic foods, our, our shampoos, conditioners, our deodorants. I mean, you, you, can, you can start to pick apart the stuff and all of a sudden you've gotten to uh, a place where you can't pronounce anything you put in your body anymore. And that's increased toxic load. So now what we've done, we've created more injury. So we need, uh, so why is our cholesterol elevated? <laughs> right? Why are our hearts stressed? Why are our blood pressure up? I mean, stress is going to cause those things. And so when, when we're talking about heart health, we're talking about just health. And how do we take stressors away? And it's, it's going to what is the cause of my disease? What is the cause of my issue? And one of the coolest part about being a chiropractor is the fact that when you get adjusted, you take, I get to take stress away, right? Now, when you get adjusted, it takes pressure off the nervous system. Your body can operate cleaner more efficiently uh, it can it can operate with less energy because what happens is you're more biomechanically efficient your nervous system has no more of its pressure on it and something that's called subluxation when you have a rotation or an injury to that area it will cause immediate stress to the brain your brain knows it so what does it do it tries to heal that but it can't because the injury keeps repeating repeating because typically subluxations come from some sort of repetitive or instantaneously traumatic injury and how do we reverse that? Well, we have to make sure that we're knowing that they're there. That's why we take x-rays. That's why I'm really adamant about knowing which way and how to adjust spines. And then also making sure you have proper nutrition to be able to get the movement that we want to have the proper tissue, uh, tonicity to making sure that we have ligaments that are flexible, drinking enough water to be able to make that happen. I mean, that's where your health starts to come in. It's really easy for me to do a push on a bone and have it click or pop. But if I want to change your spine to be in a better biomechanically efficient position, it takes time and it takes more than just that. 
mobility is an important part of our lives. Um, and so that, that is, uh, just in a nutshell, the joy that I get every single day when I get to adjust people is I know that I'm taking stress away in some way, shape or form, whether it's just praying for them. What's that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, um, one other big piece, and this is where we're going to go a little bit of, um, going through just a few supplements just for us to think about, make sure that we're, we're doing the right things and we can check our supplements. And I know you guys buy a lot of the supplements here. So I know that the quality of the supplements you're getting is quality, but also I already know what is in the supplements and a lot of these things have overlap for a purpose like this. When you take something that's for healing, you're going to have a cholesterol component. You're going to have a anti-inflammatory component. You're going to have a nutrition component within that because that's what Max Living stands for. Now, um, thinking about uh, some cool statistics of what nutrition can do for you. Um, I do believe that food is our nutrition, 100%. But with things changing the way they are and with life and society the way it is, I don't think we can bridge that gap anymore with just nutrition and like how we eat and the foods we buy. It's almost impossible. And so that's where supplementation comes in. Now, do I believe every person has to be on thousands of supplements? No, I don't. And there is specific testing that we can do to test what you need. But our challenge is, is where is even a good start point? And what should I even do just tonight if before I even go to bed tonight? And one of the cool statistics that I read this about 10 years ago, that if you are a woman who is 35 years old and you have been taking a multivitamin for 10 years, you will have a 35% less chance of having a heart attack. That is huge. And I know the study and it was not a quality multivitamin, but that's how much a big impact a small vitamin can have right? And the fun part is, is you can do that today. I mean, if you don't have a multivitamin, take one, right? It's not very hard. And you get a, a whole broad range of things. I know it's not specific, but it's like shooting a shotgun, right? And being just be very dispersed and be able to, to reach a lot of different avenues and fill gaps that maybe you haven't been able to, to have. Now, I love the Max Living women's multivitamin and the men's multivitamin because it does that. It comes with so many different things with just the supplement. There's even an anti-inflammatory portion. There's a heart health portion for women. There's a breast health portion for men. There's a prostate health portion. And uh, so that is f cool that you could fit all that into a capsule. Now, I will encourage that. I mean, I still want pe my, pe my patients to eat five servings of vegetables a day. If you can't go get those in, like a Max Greens is a great way to be able to get those things in, Dynamic Health Greens. And some of you that have been to a lot of my workshops, I'll just talk about this stuff till I'm blue in the face because it's that important. If you're not eating five servings of vegetables a day, you're lacking. You're going to be lacking the rest of your life. And we wonder why our bodies break down and we are non-functional when we get later on in life. We, do we want to be a functional uh, old person or do we want to just sit in a nursing home and die and that's our that's the last 10 years right Le do things right now that you will make you the person you want to be in the next 10 years that's spiritually that's mentally that's physically that's nutritionally that's emotionally that's all those things right and you take a person that that does those good things and you take a person who that does none of those things which one's going to live longer 
right? And we know what the five essentials of health are. It's making sure that our nervous system is strong, make sure our nutrition is good, that our mindset, that our toxic load is low, and that we have exercise, right? And then the other piece of the uh, piece of paper in there is just a, a small little tidbit of things you can do at your house. I know you guys are all busy, uh, but finding ways for us to exercise is a very big component too. And I, and I get it that walking has been seen as such a, a good exercise, but I don't feel like it's enough. Just going for a walk does not stress your heart enough to get the blood pump cardiovascular health wise. We need to get our, our heart rate up higher. And that's where more of a, a high intensity. I'm not saying you're going to go and do, uh, like run a marathon or something. That's, that's pretty intense. That's actually high, lower intensity for longer duration. What I'm talking about is doing something for a short amount of time that is very strenuous. So if you, like hit training, yep. So if you go for a walk, and you see a stop sign that's a couple that maybe a block down, run to the stop sign or jog to the stop sign, right? And then you can walk the rest of the way. You got your heart rate up. And that's going to be more effective than just walking at a slow pace with your husband's hand and talking about the birds. And I, and I get it that, that, that is very good uh, mentally and emotionally, uh, but it's not something that's going to be strong enough for your heart. But that also gauges too, like what is your capacity? If you're a person that may be overweight or have joint replacements, you can't quite do that yet, and that's okay. But if you can start somewhere with a walk, you can graduate and just work on getting to that graduation point. So it's no gym, no problem. It's some things that you can do. It explains how to do them. It gives little stick figures of how to do things, which is another way for us to be able to, to give you some more resources to get that taken care of. Uh, daily devotions, mindset, gratitude, journals, uh, those are uh, affirmations. Those are great ways for us to change our mindset. One of the cool things about it is that when you change your mindset and the way that you perceive your world, your life, your your stress levels start to decrease, hormones change, your cortisol decreases. And the cool part about that is when cortisol is a hormone, right? So you're going to actually, when you lower your stress, you lower the body's need to produce these cholesterol components. So you, just by doing that one piece, could probably come off of cholesterol medications according to your doctors, right? And that's a fun part to be able to, to work with my patients and get them to where we don't have to have that stuff anymore. And we do it smart. We don't just pull everybody off of medications. But when it comes down to you got to have the right pieces in place to do that. And how do we do that? We lower the stress in our lives. It decreases inflammation. It increases your ability to have quality sleep because you're stressing about less things. Life is stressful. I got three kids, right? And, and it, life is stressful. One of the most stressful things in life is probably getting my kids to bed at night, right? When I get done with that, my wife just said, "Oh my goodness, we finally got them to sleep, right?" And and but being able to to have that stress state and then come back out of it, not to be in it all the time. And this is one of the big challenges. And I maybe have mentioned this to you before, but being in this pandemic over the last few years has increased our overall general baseline stress state. And what I mean by that is is uh, they compare it to now us being so stressed out that we are in like a traumatic car accident. So EMTs are, are trained to say and repeat instructions over and over and over again because we can't remember anything because we're such a high stressful state, right? And so now because of the way that society has you know, either dealt with or, or whatever it may be, uh, people who had lots of fear increased their, their stress state for so long that it's stuck there. And so now our, our memory is depleted, our stress levels are so high that we, we can't 
accurately um, encounter the world the right way or deal with stressful situations the proper way. Uh, anxiety is on the rise like crazy. Even though some of the things are being lifted off, uh, we still have this high stress state. And the challenge is going to be to come down from that. But people don't think that you can, we can ever recover because of the length that we were under it. In a car accident, you're under that stressful state for a short amount of time. It's very traumatic, and then you get kind of get over it, depending on if you know if there's a loved one lost in the you know there's there's different situations. But when you're under a stressful state for that long for for at that high level, it's really hard to come down. For example, if say you're a person that was was in your house and didn't even go out and leave to get groceries, I mean you were you were you were you were scared to leave your house because you didn't want to get sick, which is a perfectly viable reason to not want to leave the house. And, um, you know, a year passes and you've literally been out of your house maybe once or twice. Will that person ever recover fully? And that's the big question that we're asking ourselves is, can that person ever have low levels of stress again? Can they ever change that, that stress that's causing damage and destruction in their body? Will their brain ever recover? We know people that have chronic, uh, pain. Right, they, they they burn this pain pathway from an injury, and it goes and, and imprints on the brain so heavily that even when that injury is healed, they continue to have the pain. It's called chronic pain syndrome, and so now we're, we're almost comparing this mental state to that that we can't pull ourselves out of stressful states. So that is one of the the things for us to think about, even just loved ones, is how do I help our loved ones to get out of that? Because that stress will cause heart disease. It will. There's no there's no way around it. This stuff causes heart disease, and um, so that is one of the one of the things that we really have as a society, as a family, we have to start talking about with our loved ones to figure out what we can do to change these things. So that's how important mindset is. It will change everything. Your nervous system changes everything very quickly. And nervous system, brain, mindset, all connected very tightly. Um, in terms of toxins, uh, we talked a little bit about the toxic load that's going on in the environment. Um, one thing, one question that I I remember seeing, uh, like, I can't, I can't remember what it's called. I can't believe I ate that or, uh, unusual habits. There was one gal that would eat like toilet paper because it was kind of a, a thing, right? Um, but one, one girl, she, um, yeah, she, she drank, um, a little, little cup of gasoline every day, right? So why would you guys not drink gasoline? Right? Um, the funny part is, is I can pronounce gasoline. And there's many things on the back of a food label I can't pronounce that are just as toxic as gasoline. And I'm willing to put that stuff in my body. Yeah. Right? And so that is one of those other components of, of I, I'm not willing to eat gasoline because I know it's toxic. The things in some of the foods that I eat, I don't know that they're toxic yet or it hasn't been brought to my attention. But I'm still willing to eat them. Right? And so that is another piece of the puzzle is getting even better educated on what I should or shouldn't be putting in myself. And that... Uh, you know, the knowledge just isn't been saw, seen yet. And we know that if you drink enough of it, you will die. But if you eat enough of this toxic substance, will you not die also? And so that's just one other just mind shift thing I wanted to bring up to your guys' attention that we're willing to do these things when it hurts us just a little bit, but not enough to like kill us immediately. Right. And, but what, what can it be to be able to, to, to restore our health? Cause we have to do just as much to, to unravel the destruction that we do to get us to have that health again. Uh, health is not a straight path. 
by any means. If somebody is uh, down at very low health, it's going to take them years to be able to build it back. It can't be a magic pill. It can't be uh, something really, um, you know, I can't give you a vitamin and say, hey, this is going to heal everything, that, that destruction that you've done in the past. All right. Cool. All right, so I got the second half at least. Um, one of the cool, I'm just going to talk about a couple things here. This is so you can think about how I want to implement some of these uh, nutrition things in my life. Um, so I talked a little bit about Max Greens, getting able to get some nutrition back into our life to rebuild healthy tissues in our life, uh, b- build better heart cells, build better liver cells, build better uh, blood vessels, and um, really vegetables is the way to do it. You had talked just before we started the meeting about an individual who kind of does vegetarian or vegan type type eating. And in that uh, that protein article, you'll read a lot about some of the benefits of it. But when it comes down to people are doing a lot of things for heart health that don't include vegetables. And that doesn't make sense to me. It can't make sense to you. And people are doing a lot of heart health things that include uh you know, eating high fats and low, uh, moderate proteins and low, low carbohydrates. And some of that does make sense, but all of that positivity comes with a plant-based diet just in general. <coughs> so you have to be able to have the knowledge or the, the correct YouTube videos or wherever you're going to find this information. You have to find the right sources so you can have a positive effect. This is a great way to do it. Um, and obviously I promote eating regular vegetables, but sometimes getting five servings a day is tough. Um, one of the other cool things is we talked about CoQ10 and those different hormones. If you're on a cholesterol medication or you know somebody on it, say, have you ever taken CoQ10? Dr. Jack Wilson, uh, he thinks that it's like malpractice. If you give somebody a drug like that that stops the production of, of a vitamin and doesn't recommend them that they take the vitamin, right? Because it, it kind of is. You're just you're you're not giving them the full story, correct? And so this is a great substance, and it has the lipoic acid in there also, which is another building block that's that's essential for many of the different hormones and things in our body. And then the NOx support. I talked about this at our last health workshop, and I this is something that I take. It's a great blood vessel dilator. So those individuals that are on blood pressure medications, um, this can be a great uh, adjunct to that to be able to give um, our body's ability to be able to make those blood vessels elastic again. And that's some of the challenges is when our blood pressure goes up, there's less recoil or ability of our body to change, right? And so when we take a blood pressure medication, what it does is it changes the way our body has to deal with our blood vessels and it can make them a little bit more rigid. It, it uh, you know, because all, all blood pressure medications stop something. It stops the ability of our, our body to, to, um, to respond in certain ways. And so when it comes down to like the NOx support, one of the big substances in there is... Um, uh, like beets, it's a great vasodilator. So if you want to look for a whole food source, beets are a great way uh, to be able to get some of those those same properties in there. Uh, but those are those are some of the things. Um, we also have one new product in. It's called uh, Broccoli Blend, which is another way you can get a lot more just high dose uh, vitamins uh, in terms of broccoli components in. That's great for people who are trying to do um, a more like an estrogen detoxification, um, allowing for pulling of the estrogen out of the body um, because broccoli is a really big component of that. Uh, but also it has tons of nutrition in there uh, to be able to support in that way. So just some of the things, the cool things that we uh, keep learning more and more about and keep changing, modifying, and being able to uh, bring as resources to you guys.